Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you today? I'm great. The weather's perking up and it's not snowing, so I'm happy. Nice. Yeah, the solid block of ice that was my front yard and driveway is is beginning to melt, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, and I'm ordering baby chicks this week. Really? What about the donkey? Yep. What about your miniature donkey? <laughs> still waiting. No, it's still, yeah, I know. I promise, and I will send you a picture when we get the donkey. It's, <laughs> but it'll be, it'll be a while. But yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, before yeah. we get off on too much of a tangent, you have a guest on the show today, and uh, his I name do. is David Bennell. Why did you bring David on the show today? Well, I brought David on the show because he is a co-author of a very interesting report that we're going to talk about. All right, fantastic. And I'll tell you what the report is in a minute, but I want to tell you a little bit about David first because I, well, his his bio is way too long for me to go completely into depth on it, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about David before we introduce him. Yeah, so David has has quite a long career. Um, You know, a few of the highlights, you know, he's worked with some very interesting corporations, which we won't mention because we don't talk a lot about specific corporations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a consultant. And in his words, I I took this from his bio, uh, so I stole it. Uh, He he focuses on creating high quality products and services and programs that achieve and deliver real value and set the standard, literally, for safety and sustainability and profitability. So there's that whole Mm -hmm. people, planet, profit we talk about a lot. David has learned as uh, he, well, what I liked was he quite literally worked as a a adjunct professor at MIT instructing rocket scientists. So hopefully some of this doesn't go way over our head, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was worried. I'm feeling a little small here in this chair right now. Thanks, Kim. You brought a rocket scientist teacher on, for crying out loud. Right. I know. He's not just a rocket scientist, but he taught them, right? So most importantly, um, he's he's highly sought after in our industry as a sustainability strategist and consultant. So welcome, David. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. And to your point, I... My family joke, I could never have gotten into MIT as a student, but they let me teach there for a while. Oh, well, <laughs> that's excellent. I'm really happy that, you, uh, that you've that you done that. But yes, I, I'm very honored to have you as a guest on my um, Deep Impact uh, Investing podcast. So thanks. What else do you want to tell us about yourself? Well, first of all, truly honored and grateful to be here. I live, uh, I'm calling in from the coast of Maine. And to your point, I, I know you were just both joking about the cold. We actually have Canada geese flying in the right direction, meaning north, which is always good for us. When we hear them going south, we get depressed. So we're we're ready. We're ready for spring to spring, which uh, may not happen for another two months, but we're eternally optimistic. I work for the World Business Council for Sustainable Development (WBCSD), and I run our food and agriculture programs here in North America. 
Great. And so today we are going to talk about the report that you co-authored, Transformative Investment in Climate Smart Soil Agriculture. Correct? Did I say that That's right? That's right. And no, you said it exactly right. And I'm very happy to represent uh, USFRA, the uh, Croatan Institute and the Mixing Bowl. They were uh, the Croatan Institute and the Mixing Bowl were the co-authors along with me and USFRA, the overarching um, key sponsor of this. And the funders were Wells Fargo and United Soybean Board. So uh, really kind of a dream team of organizations and people to work with on this. Excellent. So why don't we start by, uh, I, I, the report is quite intense, but tell us briefly, tell our listeners uh, what the report is. Well, the, okay, the money, the, we call it the money bullet on the money slide is, is right. something <laughs> like this. <clears throat> no one had ever known or shown or maybe even asked the question, how much private capital is in the United States agricultural system on an annual basis. And we basically were able to show it's almost a trillion dollars of private capital flows annually through the U.S. agriculture system, which is a pretty remarkable number and kind of begs the question, well, where does it flow? How does it flow? How smart is it? Who makes money off of it? Who doesn't? And what, what might we do collectively to make it work harder and smarter and grow it to the benefit of all. We like smart money, so let's let's definitely dive into that. And one of the things I really noted, and I think another important bullet point, is that in U.S. agriculture, currently it agriculture in the U.S. contributes just a hair under 10% to U.S.'s greenhouse gas emissions. And the proposals in the report really talk about how easily we could reduce that greenhouse gas emission to 3.8 percent by 2025. So in five years, well, four years, sorry, we could reduce that number. And by 2035, we could make that a negative number, push it to minus 4 percent, which to me is amazing. So by some of the processes you mention in this report, we can turn U.S. agriculture around, and that doesn't just include farming, but also um, ranching, correct? Or you don't really talk That's about exactly. ranching in this, or do you? No, no, absolutely. Uh, farmers and ranchers, yep. Land use, absolutely, Kim. No, you're spot on. Yeah, so so I want to talk about that a little bit. Let's dive into that and and discuss uh, discuss that piece because I think that's what our in investors and listeners really want to understand is the reduction of greenhouse gases and how do we do that? Because we think about agriculture as a big producer of greenhouse gas emissions. So how do we make that a negative number? Oh, it's it's it is the. $64 trillion question in a way. I made that number up. That doesn't appear anywhere in the report, but uh, seems more impressive than the $64,000 question. So um, definitely the important. Yeah. The important message is, look, at the end of the day, agriculture, land use belong in any conversation about greenhouse gas emissions and reductions. And it's, it's a little bit like not getting picked for kickball. Um, 
you know, why hasn't ag been invited onto the pitch previously? Um, and that's not an indictment or of renewables or sustainable forestry or the other really important paths toward um, mitigating emissions. But there's just so much to unpack here, Kim, and I don't, I know we don't have all day, but a couple of, couple of key themes. One is um, you're, you're spot on correct, that this is, this is actually a, a mother's, one of several of mother's, mother nature's mechanisms for mitigating greenhouse gas emissions, but as you said very nicely, and then getting to a point where we actually can help get to sort of net, and that's a good thing. And there's another really strong element here, and I, I think because this is an investor-focused podcast, I have to say there's kind of a show-me-the-money moment here, too. And what I mean by that is, look, if you were if you were like me and coming out of the post Lehman Brothers crash, you didn't invest in renewables, and then you didn't in the next couple of years and you missed your moment, well, I would say it, it's like ag is the new renewables. You don't want to miss your moment now. So we can get ag working hard on mitigating emissions, but I think also investors can get ag working hard uh, in their portfolios in a way that perhaps renewables may have, and if they missed it, didn't because they missed it going forward. So that's the other piece. There, there's sort of multiple incentives here for paying attention to this podcast, I think, and what was in the report. True. And I, and I find that very interesting because when you talk about ag, you're not just talking about land or buying cows. You're, you're talking about the technology and the financial innovation, correct? Yeah, it's really interesting. I know that you're um, careful to not mention companies, so I'll be careful too. But when you look at, so my organization, WBCSD, is a CEO-led um, membership organization of about 200 of the world's largest companies. And about 83 of them approximately work in food and ag. And they are everybody you might think of, or many of the companies and brands you might think of globally, but they're also some of the world's biggest tech providers. Um, one of whom I, I noticed you were careful not to mention, I used to work for. And what's so interesting about that is, is you may not think of that when you think of food and ag. And so why, to your great question, why would tech, why would the tech industry be so interested in this? And there are multiple reasons. Um, and again, I, I sound like a greedy guy, don't I? Because there's a fortune to be made in agriculture. It really is the it's not the Wild West, it's not the Forgotten West, but it is this opportunity that is now all of a sudden on everybody's dashboard and radar screen. So there's a lot of opportunity to deploy technology, digital AI, precision, uh, precision technology, precision ag, blockchain. I mean, anything that you might apply almost to any other sector has real mobility, transportation, has unbelievable opportunity in the food and ag sector. And not just about making money, but it's also about improving the process of agriculture and in terms of that, the environment, which we also want to say is incredibly important. So we're looking at the agricultural piece, the technology piece, and the financial innovation around that. And I know the report talks about some very specific processes, which one of the things that's frustrating to me is I, I think we could probably spend three hours talking about 
briefly a number of the pieces that are in this report. And we don't have that much time. Um, but I, I think if you mention some of the practices uh, that are in the report, um, you know, if you had to pick one of those, what would what would you say is important in terms of the agricultural practices? Well, first of all, I really appreciate your call out that uh, that this is bigger than just um, show me the money. And uh, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, I, I'm just trying to make sure that the investors and bankers that are listening to your podcast keep listening by mentioning money every every two minutes. I've got yes. my iPhone set to remind me to mention the money piece. But, <laughs> and I'm going to get know, a little more to that, too, because I do have some questions yeah. around that. But yeah. But in terms of the sustainability but, piece and, and practices, you know, I mean, we could talk about, you know, like cover crops and crop rotation and all of those pieces, which are, I think, very important, right? Yeah, and it's so um, it's so important that you mentioned sort of the balance here, the balance of climate, nature, equity. And to your point, I mean, I think one of the things we're, we're saying in this report, I think, and it comes through pretty clearly that uh, it, it is sort of a wonderful agriculture, farming, ranching, land use is uh, almost a, a, a wonderful sort of risk mitigator across the board. There are climate implications, there are nature implications, there are equity implications. I mean, remember vibrant rural livelihoods, what a concept. And I mean, there's no, there's zero upside to this pandemic. Of course, we're recording this still during the pandemic, but I think if we learn nothing, it's that we have a very fragile food and agriculture system. And to build in resilience um, is essential. And, and to that point, um, along with that comes a resilient, we hope, rural economies, um, a resilient uh, ecosystem, uh, resilient uh, natural world, strong biodiversity, all these things that we depend on for uh, life and livelihood, as well as, to your point, um, income and uh, and profit. Right. And I think the resiliency of our farmlands is incredibly important. And working on that and reducing greenhouse gas emissions is extremely important because if we're not focusing on that and the technologies on how to do that, we're not going to have corporations to invest in or good corporations to invest in. And I also like in the report how it's mentioned um, specifically the action steps that we need uh, in, in regards to leveraging this technology and, and the finance piece. And if we focus, I mean, obviously we can't talk about all of them, but if we if we focus on one, and I liked um, specifically, but we can talk about any of the ones you want, but connecting the sources of capital to the producer ecosystems. Um, how do we work with that solution? I think there's just so much to talk about with that because if we're looking at capital, you know, the individual investor or the big institutional investors and, and getting that down to even the individual farmer, how do we make those connections? Yeah, so uh, really interestingly, in the last year, I, I just think there's this amazing, there's this amazing switch on moment that happened that pre-pandemic. So our, our report was envisioned at the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers in Action, USFRA's Honor the Harvest meeting in 
the summer of 2018. That's where this thing got launched, and sitting at our table was now Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack, State Street, um, and a number of other companies, my organization, and others. And we sort of asked the question that I began with, which was, I just we wonder how much is actually flowing through our system right now. So that got this whole conversation going. And to your great question, um, we wanted to also really understand where did agriculture fit in the great scheme of things, if you will, looking at, at what money managers and institutional investors might be paying attention to. So if you were interested in ESG, environmental, social, and governance, what a report from USSIF showed last year for the first time ever is that ag and natural resources, sustainable natural resources are in the top five of what these money managers and asset, uh, asset owners, institutional investors are concerned about. So climate change and carbon, anti-corruption, board issues, executive pay, and who's sneaking onto the block here? Ag and natural resources. So I, I, I think just to reinforce behind the question you're asking is, we're now recognized, I think, where we feel we should be in the big leagues and the opportunities here to find investable opportunities and to grow pipeline are quite enormous. So if we just looked across, you asked questions about climate smart practices and without getting into the, <laughs> the dirt, literally, you, you name some of them, cover cropping, crop rotation, compost application, managed grazing, all these things are what happens on farm. But again, sort of looking at, well, so what's the investable opportunity here uh, for climate, for nature, for equity, for profit, for mitigating risk? They're absolutely fascinating. The same things that our listeners might be invested in. First of all, let me point out, if you think you're not invested in agriculture, listener, I bet you are, because if you're invested in big tech companies, you're invested in agriculture. If you're invested in somebody working in blockchain, you're invested in agriculture. If you're invested in anything related to water, you're likely invested in food and agriculture. So really interesting technology applications came out there. We could, we could name dozens of them. You asked a specific question about producers. If we want to talk about sort of financing marketplaces and tools, places like FarmRaise are a good example. Um, to, you asked about sort of specific kinds of technologies or on-farm uh, practices that could be improved. Well, let's talk about pasture grazing and management. There's a really interesting technology company called PastureMap. Did you know there's such a thing as virtual fencing? There's a company called Vents. And I know we're not mentioning or promoting companies here, but just to get to your point that, you know, in terms of the investable universe or where we might apply technologies and, and see benefits, find anything happening on farm, getting to the farm, getting product off farm, and there's probably an investable opportunity here. So I think one of the other things the, the report begins to unpack is, and names, uh, a number of who these companies are, startups, sort of mid-range companies, as well as the biggies that are, that are making these investments. And it calls out some of the connectivity that's happening and, and as importantly, the, the disconnects that are happening that are preventing us growing almost a trillion dollars in private capital to even more. In fact, we think by 2030, if we do this right, 
there may be another $14 billion to add to that nearly trillion already flowing through. That wouldn't be bad in the next nine years. Did you to, say? To add another $14 billion. Yeah, billion? Billion? With a B? Yeah, billion is in <laughs> David Bennell, B as in boy. Yeah. Um, wow. So, you know, it, yeah, wow. I mean, so there's a trillion dollars approximately, almost, in private capital currently flowing. How do we redeploy that in a smarter way? We agreed smart money is good money. And could we, in fact, unlock another $14 billion in investable opportunity? This report would suggest that that's very possible. And, and, and we'd argue even essential. Well, I would say it's essential because food is obviously essential and maintaining the soil to produce that good food is obviously essential. So I 100% I agree with you on that. You know, we need, we need to have good soil. We need to produce our own food for not only, you know, as I said, the health reasons, but national security too. You know, we, we can't be, you know, bringing in food, you know, from other countries. We can't rely on that. I think we need to be able to produce uh, food for ourselves as well. So I think there's a, a lot of reasons around that. Um, so definitely. And, you know, you've talked a lot about, you know, private debt uh, or, you know, private equity, that kind of thing. And um, which, you know, kind of brings me to the next piece I wanted to, to talk about, you know, because we, we've discussed the private equity um, you know, investing directly into um, technology and corporations and, um, and, you know, of course, debt in terms of, you know, bond issues, things like that. Those are easy. Um, but one of the things I noticed in, in the report, too, was looking at all of the major investment areas, uh, you know, cash, cash equivalents, um, fixed income, of course, venture capital, um, the, those I think are harder for people, you know, normal people, like you and I to get into, um, those are bigger pieces, farmland itself and those real assets in terms of, um, REITs, real estate investment trusts, those are maybe a little more difficult for some people. I, I, I wonder what you mean, or, you know, the, the report authors mean by, um, higher credit risk opportunities. And are those available now or things that you think we need to look at soon down the road? Um, I mean, there, this is a lot of opportunity if we're looking at $14 billion of possible investment opportunities. We're not just talking about a few individual stocks here of technology companies to invest in because we're talking about capital that's going to go directly to producers and buying and trading stocks is not going to these producers. So we need to get this money into, into the hands of, of people who need it. Well, okay. So it's, yeah, it's such a great question and, and, and you gave me a beautiful segue into it. So you mentioned defense a couple of minutes ago. And, and, and so I just want to point out we're, we're recording this in the beginning of March, 2021 and the, the Biden administration cabinet, almost to a T um, in, in um, testimony in front of the Senate confirmation hearings for a couple of them. Um, they're in their jobs now and they're actually working and in, in the work. Uh, I'll just say, let's start with, with Secretary uh, Yellen. She has said on multiple occasions already any number of different things about climate and uh, 
the implications around agriculture. The Secretary of Defense, same thing. Secretary of Energy, same thing. <laughs> Secretary of Transportation, and... same thing. Yeah, and wait for it, right? Secretary of Agriculture, no surprise, same thing. So, and isn't if Deb that Holland, right? And if yeah. Deb Holland from my state, New Mexico, gets confirmed, yeah. same thing. Yep, yep. So we'll have Interior. So I, I think, isn't it interesting? I mean, fourteen billion. Secretary Vilsack alone has a thirty billion dollar fund that the Trump administration had tapped into um, to mitigate some Chinese tariff stuff, which we won't get into, but. So, you know, there, the $14 billion number is not out of reality here. I, we're not going to have $14 billion immediately poured in by our own government. But isn't that interesting? How many secretaries did we just name? Five and, and soon to be perhaps six. So to get to your good question, um, you know, let's just look at a couple of different things that are happening right now. If you look at like cash and equivalents, um, CDs and money market funds, uh, Self-help credit union has a green term certificate. If you look at blended capital facilities, there's an AgriFund 3 technical assistance facility that's out there. I'm on, I, I was on the board for nine years of one of this country's CDFIs, Community Development Finance Institutions. Um, they have a really interesting loan fund, fixed, fixed income, private debt category. Um, Maine's Coastal Enterprise um, incorporated a sustainable agriculture and food system program. There's a Nebraska Rural Investment Corporation looking at sustainability linked loan facilities. Louis Dreyfus, a WBCSD members, um, got one. Kafka, another one of our members, $2.3 billion sustainability linked loan facility. For any of us with teenagers, if you've never heard of H&M, the apparel company out of Sweden, they just launched one last week. I think it was eight times oversubscribed. Not a bad problem to have. I mean, it's a problem, but not a bad. It's a problem if you didn't get in. So no, I, I could I could go on, but my God, your listeners will fall asleep. I could keep going because we we do have now. It, it's touching almost every element. The Open Prairie Rural Community Fund or Rural Opportunity Fund. That's a small business investment company. And I mentioned Secretary Yellen. One of her first meetings was with the CDFI community, and and one of the conversations was about New Markets tax credits. So again, between. Rural funders, the typical in quotes rural funders, and some opportunity to come in with some new funding and be really entrepreneurial, VC, private equity, and others. I think we're going to see a fascinating decade, Kim. I really do. That that has traditional funders finding new ways and interesting ways and old ways to do this smarter, and new money coming in because new money loves an opportunity, and I I have no problem with that as long as you know it's done to your point in a way that maybe almost has a tripartite impact, right? It's got good climate, good nature, good equity um, bones to it, and what's not to love? Yeah, really. I, I think all of this is so incredibly fascinating. And wow, who wouldn't want to get in on, on some of these really interesting, um, probably semi-easy investments as well? so incredibly fascinating to me and i i could go on and on and on literally as i said earlier for for three hours and i think at some point uh, maybe later in this year we might have to come back and and talk about things maybe as they've changed or um i don't know just talk about it again because i am ultimately geeking out on this <laughs> as i have said to eric before um 
This is incredibly fascinating to me. Is there anything you'd like to add? Um, uh, again, I know you mentioned the report authors at the beginning, but um, why don't you wrap up your, your thoughts on this before we run out of time? Yeah, well, uh, thanks to you, um, Eric, in the background. Thanks to you. So, Kim, thanks to you. Eric, thank you. Uh, I did mention, right, our friends at Croatan Institute and the Mixing Bowl uh, are co-authors, as well as USFRA, the overarching sponsor, and Wells Fargo and United Soybean Board, the funders of this. But I think the key takeaways, thematics, Kim, are truly uh, increased investment in climate smart practices and in, in US Ag in general can enable us, US Ag, us, the United States, to come the, to become the first carbon negative sector in, in the economy, full stop. The first, the first carbon negative sector in the economy. And people can make money doing it and rebuild rural and urban economies. Again, I think this is it's not too good to be true. And like like renewables were 10 and 12 years ago, uh, for those listeners, um, it, it could be an opportunity to to not let uh, magic pass you by twice. So I'd, I'd encourage our listeners to jump in, um, ask us any questions at WBCSD or USFRA. And Kim, if you'd have me back, I'd come back in a heartbeat. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much, David. I, I have really enjoyed looking through the materials that I received and doing the research and thoroughly enjoyed having you on. It's been fascinating. And I, I would like to have you back at some point because this has been very interesting to me and I hope to my listeners as well. And as I have to say, uh, you know, requirements, right? Uh, any of the companies we mentioned are not suggested investments. Please discuss those with your investment advisor. Um, as always, thanks so much for joining us um, and, and hearing David today. So yeah, th thank you. Eric, anything you wanna add? Yeah, I, I really hope David could come back. And David, between now and then, <laughs> I get to ask a question. You can think about it until you come back to the podcast. If a guy in Nebraska wanted to build a sustainable rocket in his backyard, <laughs> um, just think about that for the next podcast. All right, we'll discuss it then. Is that okay with you? Eric, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Ground control. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I get it. All right, then we're, we're out of here. David, yeah. thank you so much for being a fantastic guest. Kim, of course, I love the guests you bring on because you know smarter people than I do, apparently. So uh, I appreciate you helping to educate this guy in Nebraska. And, of course, to all our listeners, we thank you for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Greg O'Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again. Thanks for listening. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661.
Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.